Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. The mother heart of God. Um, You may have heard of the father heart of God. Um, You probably have if you've been in church more than 30 seconds. Um, We love to talk about the father heart of God because God more often than anything portrays himself as our father. Uh, And also I I would say this title um, is not to be confused with the fact that God God is a woman, so he's, he's, he's not. You know, he, he, he's, he's really neither male nor female. He's a spirit. Um, but he has presented himself to us um, as, as a man, as a father. Uh, however, various times throughout Scripture, he also identifies uh, with the feminine. He also identifies with as a mother. And this is seen especially in Genesis chapter 1. So I want us to go to Genesis chapter 1. If you're watching online, they'll put that on the screen for you. Um, But Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 is a classic scripture about the time when God made mankind. Then God said, let us, so it's plural. He's talking of himself. He said, let us. And this is the great mystery of the Godhead. Uh, (laughs) How you can have three in one, I don't know. Uh, Mike has been begun asking those questions, and so we're having a good time <laughs> trying to explain that one. Um, but it's interesting. God says, let us make mankind in our image. Now you have an us, that's plural, but then you have an image, that's singular. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Once again, singular. So that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals. That's right, we're supposed to be in charge of these animals. Come on, somebody. Uh, they're not supposed to be in charge of us. My cat's not telling me when to wake up at night. I'll just tell you that. I'm telling, I'm telling it when it can go to the bathroom. <laughs> the livestock and all the wild animals. And that's, that's not really theology. That's just me being silly. And over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image, singular. In the image, singular, of God, he created them, plural. Male and female, he created them. So we can put the camera back on. This is, this is so interesting. As somebody who likes grammar, you have God describing himself in the plural, and then he says, I'm going to make them, plural, in my image, singular. There's one image of the invisible God, and yet it is, it is seen not just in one gender. The one image of God is seen in the combination, in the connection, in the communion, in the community of male and female. This is why when he first created man, he said it's not good for man to be alone because you cannot project the image of God. The image of God is not just masculine. And the image of God is not just feminine. So the image of God is both, he says, male and female. He created them in one image, but there was two of them. Come on, somebody. Kirk got a new laptop, so that's fun. Um, there, <laughs> that wasn't Jesus. That was just Kirk. Uh, he claimed it, though. He claimed it, though. He didn't, he didn't duck and be like, that was Peter. No, that was one. Uh, there's, there's, there's one image and two male and female. So what I want to talk to you today, we often talk about the father heart of God as seen in the masculine gender, but I want to talk to you about the mother heart of God. 
the mother heart of God. Now, uh, I have three points for you. First off, the mother heart of God is an influential. It's an influential heart. So my first point is that I want to talk about the influential heart of God because mothers are supremely influential in our lives. And this is self-evident. I don't have to go through a bunch of scripture to let you know that mothers are powerful. Mothers are able to set the course for their children. They're able to interpret reality and a worldview for their children. Mothers are so influential. I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said something about that. The, the, the person who most influenced me was, was my mother. I mean, even, even, even Kyla Wren. Come on, somebody. All he had to do was get one word from his mother. Spoiler alert. I don't know if you saw Rise of the Jedi, but anyway, we were watching that the other day, and I'm like, that's all they had to do was get Leia to talk to him? Why, 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 did, why didn't we do this 15 movies ago? I don't get it. But anyway, I mean, moms are influential. Moms have a greater weight when they speak. Moms, have, moms carry with them influence over their children. Some of you wish you had a little more influence. Well, anyway, uh, you do. You do. You, you, it may not look like it, okay, when they're teenagers. It might not look like it, but trust me, your words are the words that are echoing in our ears. My mom is the most influential person in my life, and I've had a lot of strong, influential people in my life, but my mom is the one who believed in me and who called out in me my calling before anybody else did. And, and really, if it hadn't been for my mom, uh, I preached... I preached my first sermon when I was 12. And you know why I did that? Because of my mom. <laughs> I was so shy. I wouldn't get up here and talk to people. Are you kidding me? But uh, my mom had this great idea that, that we were a small church. And it's like all the youth, that's like me and my brother and like two other, people, two other kids. You guys are going to do church on your, like, for Christmas. And, so, and so, some, so, so we need a preacher. And so every, nobody volunteered, right? And so they kind of all pointed to me. I was 12 years old. So I preached my first sermon when I was 12. My mom helped me prepare the sermon. And um, uh, we, were, we, we, we were sitting on the kitchen table, and I was writing out my notes. I had multiple pages, and I had, I had made photocopies of, like, of like commentaries and cut it out to like put it on this before. This is the this is original copy and paste. You know what I'm saying? You put it in a copier, and then you paste it with paste glue on your paper. I'm showing my age. I just turned 40, though. But that was copy and paste. And I'm sitting up with mom making making my points okay so my mom like before i went to bible college my mom taught me how to preach and she didn't know how to preach so <laughs> that's why i preach like i preach anyway uh she <laughs> she uh she 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 she, she finally we, we had like the, these points and all this stuff and then at the end she said now you need to have a closing and i'm like oh okay usually you just kind of repeat what you said before and then you close it and you you're dismissed you always gotta say you're dismissed and so um she said, well, how about you just speak from your heart? And so I wrote that in my notes, and I still have my notes from my first sermon, actually. Uh, they're still at mom and dad's house. I found them the other day, and right there at the end, in closing, the very last thing was, in all caps, speak from heart. And needless to say, my sermon was awful. It was terrible. It was the worst sermon you've ever heard. I feel sorry for those poor 15 people that were up there in the YMCA listening to little Harry 12 year old ramble on about whatever the heck I was trying to say but when I got, when it came to speak from your heart I didn't have any notes because I was glued to my notes I was, I was holding on to this thing like it was going to take off you know 
and I was so scared to come out here because that's that's scary. Now you can see my pants, and so it's like you're stuck. <laughs> this public speaking, man, it's tough. And so then it said, "Speak from your heart," and I was like, "Uh," and so that made me look up, and I looked up, and I started speaking from my heart, and something happened in that moment. Something changed inside of me. Something began to flow from me to other people, and I and I never forgot that. The next Christmas came time for somebody to preach. I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. And the next Christmas and, and so on and so forth until finally uh, the pastor asked me to preach on a, on a midweek service. That's when you know like it's like a test. Like, you don't, they, like they're not sure if they really want you to preach in church, but it's like we'll let you try in the midweek. And so I was pumped, man. I fasted the whole day before. I was like, woo, I was ready to go. And it was Honestly, it was the worst sermon I've ever preached. I always try to listen to my sermons to see how I can get better. I've never been able to listen through that entire sermon. It was so bad. And it was so long. You guys think I preach long now? Oh, yeah. That was long and boring. Um, I mean, it was just, it was awful. And so I just decided I'm never preaching ever again. And then my mom had this great idea of doing this pastor appreciation service on Sunday where Harry preaches. And I was like, no, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to put anybody through that again. And um, she said, no, no, it'd be great. And, and sure enough, I got up and I preached, spoke from my heart, and things began moving again. And so really, uh, the most influential person in my life is my mom. And then after that would be Rowena, who has influenced me for the past, you know, 15 years, since, ever since I met her. Um, but, 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 but my mom is the one who pushed me. My mom is the one who believed in me. My mom is the one who, who uh, was influential. And that's what, that's what, that's the, that's, the, that's the influential heart of God. I don't know if you know this or not, but God is still influential in the world today. He hasn't sat down from his throne. He hasn't climbed down, and he hasn't been caught off guard by COVID-19. He, he, hasn't, he hasn't been shocked by the events of the world. He, he's still in control. Even, even though there may be evil in the world, even though there may be sickness and disease in the world, God, Scripture says he's working all things together all things together for good. He's working all things together. He's taking all the pieces and he's weaving them together. There's a passage in Proverbs. Proverbs 31 talks about uh, the Proverbs 31 mom. And there's this, this weird passage that often kind of freaks people out. In verse 19, it says, she stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. Now that sounds weird because nowadays, most of you aren't making clothes for your kids. If you keep reading the verses, it's because she's making clothes for her family and for others. And um, that seems strange. And so many times people, you know, moms will read this on Mother's Day and they'll be like, oh, the Proverbs 31 woman, yep. Like she was awesome. She was the perfect wife. She was the perfect mom, even made clothes for all of her kids. But see, most of us aren't making clothes for our kids because in these days, making clothes was a, it was, it was a very high honor. Nowadays, it's not. Uh, it's something that you, you just go to H&M and you buy something. You go to JCPenney or wherever you shop. Um, but in these days, it was a very high honor, and especially the, the distaff and the spindle. Now, distaff, I think that's King James for a stick that you would have, and you would put a lot of cotton on the stick. Uh, so you reap cotton from the fields, you weave it onto this stick, and then you have this spindle or this wheel. And with one hand, she's holding the stick with all the cotton on it. On the other hand, she's spinning the wheel. And so you connect the cotton onto the wheel and you begin to spin it. What she's making is yarn. 
She's making threads with it. As you spin it, it gets stronger and tighter, and it's twisting itself, it's tying itself together, and it, she's, she, she's, she's making yarn. Now, what's interesting is ancient times, people believed that there was a lot of magic um, connected to spindles. I don't know if you remember Sleeping Beauty. I don't remember Sleeping Beauty, but remember the witch got Sleeping Beauty to touch the spindle, and that's what, that's what killed her. Rumpelstiltskin also was working spindles. And, 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 and a lot of that stuff comes from ancient folklore, ancient pagan religion that believed that working the distaff and the spindle were really powerful. And so obviously scripture doesn't teach that, but it's using the imagery to explain the role of the mother. And so, and so I, found this, I found this really cool poem from this Nordic um, pagan religion where there were these three, I guess, nymphs or something that they attend every birth. And for every birth they attend, they show up and they start spinning the wheel and making, making yarn. And what, and, 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 and what it says is they, they lay the destinies of men. Because there's a great, it's really mysterious how you, how you give birth, right? You start with something really small, that thing grows, and out comes a living human being. And so there's a lot of mystery around that, just like there's a lot of mystery as to how you take raw cotton, you know, and turn it into thread and yarn. And so there's this, there's this creative power that mom has. There's this creative power that mom has to be able to to hold one hand here hold another hand here spin the wheels and start creating something and i was i was i was i was going over this scripture years ago and i shared this with rowan i said this is what you're doing with our kids you are you're taking you're taking raw cotton you know because they're just they're just raw rebellion and energy and nonsense and (laughs) not very useful for anybody because they just like they just eat and poop like that's all they do and and it's just it's just raw it's just nothing there and 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 what what a mother does is she takes that and she starts working that and it doesn't happen overnight it doesn't happen it's not a session it's not it's not a seminar that you go to but there's a consistency to it there's a consistency to a mother's love that she is making and molding and shaping this 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 nothing selfish rebellious person into something else and so, and this is exactly what God's doing. God, there's a consistency to God's power and to God's connection. He hasn't let go of the distaff and he hasn't let, let go of the spindle. He is making something in this world right now. He's taking all of your sorrow and your joy. He's taking all of your, your disappointments and your hopes and dreams and he's weaving them together. He's creating a tapestry with everything. And this is, this is what moms can do. They can make a meal out of a whole bunch of leftovers. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what moms can do. They can take a whole bunch of stuff, pull it all together, and make something that's pretty awesome. And that's, that's the anointing that, that moms have, but that's a reflection of the heart of God. He has not let go of the spindle of this world. He's still working it. He's still moving. He's still building. He's still creating. And he's still using difficult times. He doesn't cause difficult times, but he's using them to weave them all together into a, to a beautiful tapestry. So you have the, the influential heart of God, but you also, you also have the sacrificial heart of God. Mothers, just by nature, have to sacrifice. Even, even mothers that aren't very sacrificial <laughs> have to sacrifice. It'll, uh, kids invade your body. They take over. Uh, they invade your hormones. They take over. And, and just the act of giving birth is a great sacrifice. You go to the, basically the edge of death 
Even in a C-section, they have to cut you open and cut through all kinds just to get the baby out. It's, it's a very sacrificial process that God created because he wanted to show his great love for us that he is a sacrificially giving God that although he deserves all worship and all attention and all glory, and he receives all attention and all worship and all glory, but at the same time, he is giving, constantly giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The father gave his son. The son gave sight to the blind. His whole life was giving. Everywhere he went, he gave healing to the sick. He gave resurrection power to the dead. He gave wisdom and words of teaching to the religious people. He gave, he gave a better option. To the sinner, he gave hope. To the weak, he gave strength. To the thirsty, he gave water. Not, not just water that would run dry, but living, everlasting water. Finally, he gave, he, gave a, he gave an altar call to Pontius Pilate, right? He gave his back to the whip, gave his hands to the, to the nails, gave his feet to the nails, gave his side to the spear, gave his mother to John, gave his spirit to his father. Because he's a giving God. He's, he, is, he is ever, what, is, what does the hymn say? Ever blessing and ever blessed. Ever blessing and ever blessed. He gives, but it doesn't detract from him. He blesses, but it doesn't detract from him because he's not, he's not concerned. Many of the times the reason we hold back is because we are interested in, in keeping for ourselves. But for God, he's ever blessing, but he's still ever blessed. He's ever giving, but he's still ever receiving. He, he is, he is he's an ever fountain of blessing. It's, it's, it's an endless fountain that flows to all of humanity and the entire world, and he's not wearied by it one bit. Now, moms get weary. Because you're human. And by the way, both the male image of God and the female image of God have been marred by sin. And this is why it's difficult sometimes to talk about God as male and female because we have in our minds our dads and our moms who did not demonstrate this perfectly. Many moms have grown weary of giving and they stopped. Many moms grew weary of, of looking after kids and so they, they, just, they just let the screen take care of them. Many moms were chasing other pursuits and many of us grew up with moms that were not giving. They were withholding love they should have given, attention they should have given because they'd already given it somewhere, they already spent, they already gave it somewhere else. They pursued a career, they pursued boyfriends, they pursued whatever it was that they were doing and they, 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 they didn't give. And so, and so when I talk to you about a God who's ever giving, you're, you have a hard time comprehending that. But I want you to know God is not like failed humans. Both moms and dads have missed the mark. And, but the goal is for us to, to see God past these people that you would understand that there is a God who is ever giving and he doesn't hold it against you is what scripture says. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask about God who gives liberally, generously and he doesn't hold it against us. Why would scripture say that? Because he knows we've been raised by people who held it against us. You should have known that. You shouldn't need me to tell you that. You shouldn't need me to be there for you. You should, and, and, and yet God's not like that. He is ever giving. He's, he's pouring out himself. He's pouring out instruction. He's pouring out wisdom. And he's not holding it against us. We don't have to come up with reasons why we're worthy of receiving. <laughs> he's ever giving. In fact, Isaiah 43, I think it's in the, it might be in the message. It's, it's in the message paraphrase where he says, I'd trade, I'd, 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 I'd give everything for you. I'd trade the entire creation for you. God is, 
is ever giving. And he would happily, in order to bring us in, he would trade everything for us. And this is good for us to understand the, the mother heart of God toward us. He is ready to give to us. But he's not just ready to give sacrificially to us. He's ready to give sacrificially for us. And there's a difference there. Sometimes when we talk about the mother heart of God, we can act as if God is, is just, uh, I don't know, almost like the grandmother heart of God. That's a whole different sermon. This is the mother heart of God. Grandmother heart of God, kids just get lots of candy. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> My mom says yes to everything. What happened to the women, woman who raised me? That's just mom, that's just what I'm saying. But it's, a, it's, a, it's weird. Like grandmothers are just, they, they're in their own category. Yeah, all the grandmothers here, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Grandmothers, woo! All right, that's, that's for another sermon. Today's the mother heart of God. Because the mother heart of God has a, has a protective instinct, has a defensive instinct. In fact, God said in, in Hosea, let me see, let me just make sure I get the passage right. I think it's Hosea chapter 13, verse 8. He said, God said of himself, he said, I am like a mother bear that has been robbed of her cubs. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's right, look out. There was a, there was a, there was a, a famous theologian recently who was quoted as uh, saying that the gospel has nothing to say to COVID-19. That God is not necessarily, that the gospel, God's not necessarily interested in dealing with the virus. Rather, God sits with us in our grief. He mourns with us. He cries with us. And that's somewhat true. I think there's some truth to that. God does grieve with us. I mean, in the gospel of John, when Jesus showed up to the grave of Lazarus, he wept. Jesus wept. So I, I know he feels our pain. I know he feels our suffering. But if, you, if, if that's the only verse you read in all of John, you have a weird version of Jesus. It's actually the shortest verse in the Bible because he didn't weep for long. He stood in front of the grave and he wept and then he wiped his eyes and he looked at that grave and he called out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The, Jesus said in Matthew 5, blessed are those who mourn for I will be mourning along with them. No, that's not what he said. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I think the, the psalmist said he turned my mourning into dancing. Like the, the mother heart, I don't know any mom who's willing to just simply cry with her kids. Every mom I know wants to do something to make it better. And if you want to do something to make your kids better, how much more does God want to come in and rescue and deliver and save and heal and deal with the COVID-19 virus that's ravaging your cities and your towns and your families. I, I, Isaiah looked forward into the future and he saw the cross and he says, surely he has borne our sicknesses and our diseases. Those are medical terms. The gospel has something to say. And it is that the mother heart of God will not allow his children to be ravaged by sickness for much longer. That God, God become, have you seen a bear robbed of her cubs? Have you ever run into one? No, you haven't because you're still alive. They're not, 
They don't sit down on the, they're not like, oh, I lost my cups. I don't know what I'm going to do. No, like a mother bear robbed, she's going to take a head off of somebody, like anybody. She's going to tear into, like, we're going to see, we're going to start seeing the skeletal structure of your physical com- composition. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the, 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 he's, he's, he's a mighty, fierce warrior. Don't touch his kids. Don't mess with his kids. I mean, you can ask Pharaoh how that turns out if you like. You know, I mean, throughout Scripture, man, time and time again, we see, we see this, this bear, this bear mama. So this is all the moms who aren't all quiet and, and, and meek and mild all the time. It's all right. It's, there, there is a time to rise up and defend what, what you gave birth to. There's a time to rise up and defend what came from you, what was your idea, what was your th- what you cultivated and comforted and cultured and built. There's a time to stand up for that. And 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 and, and God knows when that time is. And so I believe it was the mother heart of God that that talked to Moses. Because because you read that exchange and God says to Moses, I have heard the cries of my people and I am concerned about their suffering. Now, now the father's heart of God's a little different. He, uh, man, uh, two days ago, Micah, Micah hurt himself. He hurt his knee out in the back porch. And I was talking, I was talking to my parents on, on FaceTime. And so Ro went out, you know, to see. Um, that's, that's why she was quicker than me, because I was, I was occupied. Normally, I'd be out right out there because Father's Day is coming. And that's, that's just the kind of dad I am. But in this particular instance... Uh, mom beat me to it she she got out there right away and they were out there for a while but see that's what moms do see like me i'm thinking they're out there for a while like is is he alive is he breathing because this is like 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 micah comes to me with a hurt knee the first thing i do is i go to his knee because it's hurt and so i say well can you move this yeah can you move that what if if i push this does it hurt yeah okay okay if i push that how's that okay okay you'll be fine walk it off you know because it's my job as a as a a dad to to solve problems (laughs) this is a whole nother sermon this is father's day you guys can give me some amens we're we're here to solve problems your wife starts telling you about how rough her life is you start solving her problems for her for some reason it doesn't go over well but (laughs) but with, with with the kids with the kids, it's like, man, you hurt your knee. Let me see if your knee is okay. Let me see if, the, and once it's okay, okay, so now you just need to walk it off. You need to, you need to, you need to toughen up a little bit. Like, you know, I mean, it's okay to cry, but just, you know, walk on it because that'll help stretch things out. We'll get some ice. By, and if, but no, when, when, when mom goes to Micah or Madden and they've hurt themselves, there's this long period. he's crying more moms make kids cry more <laughs> he's like I, like not even lying if i go up to him he doesn't start crying if mom just walks toward him he starts crying <laughs> like hey what do you do to these kids like you're just making them cry but no like they just like like they know dad's gonna try to fix the problem they know mom's gonna see the person not just the process so so the father heart of god 
you know, for 400 years had told the people of Israel, just walk it off. <laughs> You're in slavery, I know, but you need to walk it off. You'll be fine. You'll be all right. Because the Father heart of God was planning something. He was growing from, he was growing a people group from a tiny little family into a great nation. And so it's not going to happen overnight, so you just need to walk it off, okay? You're going to be in slavery for a little while, and, and you, you, need, you, just, you just need to keep going. You need to keep going. You need to keep going because I'm doing something. I'm building something. That's the Father heart of God, strategic. And he sees the process. He sees, he sees the process that you're in, and he's working the process. But, the, but finally, the mother heart of God, after 400 years, said, I can't take the suffering anymore. So go tell Pharaoh his time is up. The mother heart of God is stepping in. Father heart of God, our kids have been walking it off for long enough. The, the, the mother heart of God came in and said, the time is up. I can't stand the suffering of my kids anymore. Man, I just feel like God's saying that to somebody right now. I feel like the mother heart of God is about to step in. You've been walking some things off, but, but God is, is announcing to everything that once held you captive. Everything that once held you captive, there's an expiration date to it. It's not forever. He's not going to put up with sickness forever. He's not going to put up with disease forever. He's not going to put up with racial injustice forever. He's not going to put up with violence forever. He's not going to put up with, 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 with the left and the right forever. God, he, 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 there comes a time when he says, all right, enough is enough. Mother heart, the bear is coming out, and we're going to defend our kids from whatever is ravaging them, whatever, whatever addiction is ravaging you, whatever mental condition is, is ravaging you, whatever demonic oppression is ravaging you. The mother heart of God rises up to that thing raises a standard against it is what scripture says and maybe you didn't have a mother that fought for you maybe she was too busy trying to defend herself i don't know but this is the heart of god he's a he's a fighter he takes somebody's head off <laughs> number three the nurturing heart of god the nurturing heart of god Moms are different than dads in a lot of ways, uh, and it's especially evident when, when, uh, when you go to hold a baby. I don't know if you, any dads remember the first time you held your baby. <laughs> it's, uh, seriously, there's not much more awkward than trying to watch a dad hold a baby. Now, if it's somebody else's baby, it's a little bit easier, because if you drop it, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's not yours. <laughs> They got the hospital bill, I guess, you know, everything's good. But when it's yours, like I remember, I remember specifically, like, no, like not even lying. When, 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 when we had Madden, like I've always been a real confident driver, never been in an accident yet in my life. That's also because of the mercy and grace of God. But I'm just saying, um, I've been, I've been cautious, you know, but, I, but, I, but, I, you know, I take curves the way you should, ta I mean, I, I drive. Well, man, the first time we had Madden in the car seat, it took, us, it took us an hour and a half to get from the, the, the midwife's place to our house. And it normally was like a 35-minute drive. And we got home, and Ro was like, it seemed to take kind of long, didn't it? I said, yeah, and my hands are sweating, you know, because I was like making turns like this, you know. I mean, it was, it was so, it's so weird. When it's, when it's your kid, I mean, literally, the first time I held Madden, it's like, you know, I, got, I only have two hands. You know, and if it's a football, like I know how to get that and hold that, but but it's a baby. It's not a football, so I'm trying to balance out one hand on the head, another hand on the butt, trying to get just the right, you know. And it's the most awkward thing, you know. And and, and luckily they have small necks, so you can always grab a hold of that, right? <laughs> so at least you know you're not going to drop them. 
might choke them, but you're not, they're not going to fall to their death, right? That's not how it's going to happen for you. You're not going to be the one dad who killed their kid because, you know, you're caught. So I'm going I'm to hold them. I'm going to hold them. And it's tight. Well, it's, it's awkward. Well, okay, if you're a baby and you, 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 don't, you, don't, you can't even see very well, you can see like right in front of you and everything else is blurry. You can't hear very well. You don't understand anything that's going on. The only thing you understand is your sensations. And so when dad holds you, you feel somebody who's thinking way too much. You feel a rigidness. You feel an other than this. You feel a boundary. That's what dads are. It's the father heart of God. He draws boundaries for us. He's other than us. He's different. He's higher. He's above. He's, he's planning. He's thinking. You can trust him. You, there's, a, there's a rigidness even to his body. Even if you take, take the baby into your chest, there's a, especially if you've got a lot of muscles like me, there's a rigidness to that. You know, there's just, there's a strength. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a definition to it. But when you hand the baby to its mom, you, you're, you're, you're seeing moms, they don't, they don't hold babies like this. They don't try to, you know, balance the weight of the head with the weight of the rear. They just like cradle and it's more of like the baby's laying on them. There's a softness. Immediately the baby senses it's not as structured. It's not as rigid. It's not as defined. But there's a, there's a softness and there's a, there's a oneness that happens. Because I think because the baby, because the mom carried that baby for nine months. By the time I got to meet Madden, Roe already knew Madden. Because when I couldn't see that anything was happening, there was just kind of a big ball here, you know, Roe could feel things happening. So Roe knew Madden much more intimately than the first time I met Madden is when she came out and she had a bunch of blood and guts all over her, you know. <laughs> and that was my first meeting with Madden. That was not Roe's first meeting with Madden. Roe knew her. And so when Roe held her, Roe was holding a part of herself. Because, because this baby was literally inside of her. This is the mother heart of God. The father heart of God is very strategic, very strong. He defines boundaries for us. He works out our future. But the mother heart of God holds us in our present. The, mo the mother heart of God is soft and it absorbs our weight. It absorbs our our harshness and our hardness and and it brings us into himself because before you existed here before your mom even knew you actually scripture says before the foundations of the world he had glorious things planned for us we existed not in this space but we existed in his mind in his imagination in his heart and he carried us for thousands of years by the time you came to be he had been already carrying you he had been prophesying about you to Abraham. As many as stars as there are in the sky, that's, that, that, that'll be the amount of your descendants. He had already planned. He had already been carrying us. And so the nurturing heart of God has this connection with us, this, this oneness with us, not this otherness, not this greater thanness, but this next to us connection that holds us. Actually, there's a, there's a psalm. I, I, don't, I don't have it on, on, on the screen for you, but, but, it, but it's where David calls himself a, a weaned child. And he says, God is, God is like my mother, and I'm like a weaned child. Meaning, and that word weaned, it doesn't mean like he's done drinking milk. 
permanently, it means that he just got done nursing and he's like in a coma. He's like in a, in a milk coma. I don't know if you've seen kids and milk, babies in milk. Like they've drunk so much from their mom that they're just like, they just can't even move. And the king of Israel describes himself as just having received so much from his father, his heavenly father. He's just drunk so deeply of his presence. He's just been so enveloped in his, and so embraced. He's been so secured and so protected. He's felt such oneness with God. The only way he could describe it was when he watched moms giving, giving milk to their kids, that there was just this connection, this oneness. And it's, and it's good for both. Like, 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 like the, the, father, the father, the mother heart of God enjoys connection with us. Just like, if you enjoy connection with your kids and you're experiencing a, just a tiny bit of connection, and yet God who sees through our skin and sees through our failures and sees through our past, sees right down to the earth what he carried in his mind when he connects with us. He's not judging us on the way that the world is judging us. Moms never judge kids, their kids in the same way everybody else does. On the one hand, they know more about you so they can call you out on more stuff. But on the other hand, they know more about you so they know that the stuff they're calling you out on is not you. Because they were there in the beginning before all the stuff. How much more is the mother heart of God? How much more is the nurturing heart of God? That God is here to nurture. The word, the word nurture means the care or attention given to something that is growing or developing. Not everybody can be a nurturer because not everybody can see the value in something that is in process, that is growing or developing. But a mother sure can. And if, a, if your human mothers can do that, if you being evil know how to recognize the gold inside of your children, how much more does your heavenly father recognize the gold inside of us? How much more does he see the process? And he's okay with the process. He's growing you through the process. He's developing you through the process. He sees the end in sight because he was there from the very beginning. He sees the person and not just the process. Isaiah 66, 13 says, As a mother, and I do have this scripture on the screen, As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And you will be comforted. God is constantly describing himself as a mom. He is our father, but there is a mother heart of God that wants to, that longs to, that enjoys. It's a mutual thing. Jesus stood at the, at the door of the Laodicean church, right, in, in Revelation chapter 3, and he said, Behold, I stand at your door, and I'm knocking, and if anyone would open the door, I will come into him and dine with him. That means I'll sit down, you'll sit down, we'll share a meal. I'll, you'll eat, I'll eat, you'll talk, I'll talk. There will be fellowship. And who's he talking to? He's talking to the very church that he just called naked, wretched, and blind. God who sees the process and he says look I still want to be with you you're naked you're wretched you're blind 
but you're still, you're still mine. And I'm knocking on the door. So that's just, that's, that's my altar call to you today. For some of us, we've had wonderful moms who were great examples. And I think on some level, all of us ought to be proud of our moms, no matter what your mom was like. I have some wonderful examples, some wonderful stories to share about my mom. And my kids are going to have some wonderful stories to share. Some, uh, some moms have made it easier for us to come to God. Because when we met God, we said, oh, I recognize that. He wasn't a complete stranger. Because our moms trained us to appreciate that, to value that. But some of us have not. Some of us have never experienced an influential mother. Because maybe she abandoned you. Maybe she was there physically, but not mentally. We don't know what it is to be shaped or to be encouraged or to be challenged or to be motivated by our moms. We had to motivate ourselves for some of us. You need to know that that's not God. God can bring healing to those memories. God can bring a new influence into your life. Some of us have never had a a mother that was a sacrificial mother. Instead, we always felt like an inconvenience. Drug around from this activity to that activity. And we never saw the sacrifice that she made for us. Even though she made sacrifices. But all the optional sacrifices she opted out of. And so we got an idea that, that we weren't worthy of love had to somehow be more interesting and more effective and more something. But the heart, the mother heart of God <clears throat> is sacrificial, is giving. He doesn't need anything in return. He is giving and it is joy to give us the kingdom. It is his joy to give us. It's his joy to pour himself out. He's like, he's like, he's like the river crashes over the waterfall. It doesn't go slowly. It doesn't say, oh man, no. No, joyfully. It crashes down and runs down to the very lowest place. It loves, it loves to, to give of itself, to pour itself out into dry land, to be absorbed, because that's what it is created for. God is like the water. He's like the rain. He, he, he enjoys pouring himself out to pour himself out to you. He also wants to defend you. He wants to fight for you. What he birthed, what he created. And then some of us have not had a nurturing mother. We, we haven't, it hasn't been a safe place for us. But God is a safe place. And he's able to take you in your tears and see you wrap his arms around you. Father, we come before you right now. You are the perfect. You are the greater than. As wonderful as our moms have been, and sometimes as not wonderful as our moms have been, you are the perfect. They were just pointers. They were just pointing us to something else. Same thing with our fathers. Sin has marred both of these, 
these roles, these images are messed up because of sin. Instead of strengthening our fathers, a lot of times we have anger. But you are not an angry God. This isn't your natural disposition. It's not who you are. We're not in inconvenience to you. It's your joy to give us the kingdom. And so, Lord, we come before you right now, and everyone listening to this, everyone watching this, both now and in future time, we come before you. We thank you for your great love. We thank you for Jesus, who is the image, the, the, the image, the exact image of God. And he displayed both compassion and direction. He displayed all of these things for us. We see in Jesus perfect Godhead. And then we see that perfect Godhead nailed to a cross for us. And so, Lord, we receive your love. Some of us are just not good at receiving. That's the problem. If you were never nurtured, you're not, you're not good at receiving. You think you're, you're good at earning. You're not good at receiving. That's, that's helped you out. That's helped you out in your job. That's helped you out in certain things. But it's not helping your soul. You must get good at receiving. You must get good at being nurtured. I know you have a hurt knee. We'll deal with that later. Just come be wrapped up in the arms of your Father. I know you're not perfect. We'll get to that later. Now you got stuff going on. We'll get to that later. But come, come sit in the lap. Come rest on the soft embrace, the absorbing embrace, the nurturing embrace. Come drink. You don't have to buy this milk. No kid's ever paid for the milk of his mom. He just, you just get it. You just get it. You can't buy it. You have nothing to pay him. You have nothing to pay God. You can't bring anything to the table. You are, whether you're the king of Israel or a homeless man, you are destitute before him. You'll never be good enough. You must accept his love as a free gift. We receive your love today, Lord. Wrap your arms around us. <laughs> Comfort those that are mourning today. Encourage those that are discouraged today. Bless those that are happy today. 